Hello and welcome to Commodity Conversations. My name's Adrian Lubniski and I've got with me today Dave Myers. And it's just the two of us today because Liv is away on holiday currently. So we're free range and Rob is somewhere relaxing on a beach as far as we know. So um, the format's probably going to be a little bit different. So having a guest, we're going to do a market wrap, which is something we haven't done for quite some time. So Dave, what's been happening on the wool markets? Yeah, g'day, Adrian. Um, nice to be on the podcast. Uh, so, well, uh, there was a bit of a concern uh, during the week that uh, exporters were having trouble getting product out of Australia and um, also wool stores uh, reporting they were um, filling up pretty quickly, nearing maximum capacity. There was speculation that this might have um, brought down many of the indicators for the week, but actually most of the indicators lifted uh, the EMI went up six cents, finished at fourteen thirteen. Yeah, generally it was um, mostly green across the board, which is a uh, good signs for wool. Um, hopefully those shipping issues sort themselves out soon. But in the meantime, another big offering next week. Looks like the market's holding up pretty well. And uh, what about cattle? What have you noticed this week, Adrian? Obviously the terrible floods up north have uh, caused a lot of damage. How is it affecting the market as things settle down there and people clean up? That's right, Dave. It's a bit of a similar story, actually, on the beef job, as with what you mentioned about storages filling up for wool. Um, there's actually there's been some, uh, some news, essentially, that up in Brisbane, where most um, beef actually is processed and, and exported, the, the docks are essentially filling up with, um, with reefer containers full of, uh, full of beef. And you can't find an empty spot in cold storage for the life of you at the moment. Um, A lot of that's connected essentially to the Port of Brisbane uh, essentially being paralysed since the floods. And that's all been caused by obstructions in in the river, navigational aids being off uh, offline. And as a result, no ships have been coming in or out, or at least minimal activity anyway. Um, So the, the result has been that uh, processes have been scrambling to actually find a place to put finished beef. Um, and there's even been reports of places like Tees, for example, uh, cancelling shifts uh, as a result of that. Um, now, if we actually look at the hard numbers, Dave, last week we saw slaughter on the East Coast actually drop 14% um, as a result, and most of that was coming out of Queensland. So, And what about overseas? Obviously, the... Um invasion uh, of Russia into Ukraine has affected the uh, global grain market. Farmers are paying a little bit more for feed in the US. We know how heavily reliant they are on that. How's that playing out? Well, it's a bit of a disaster, uh, this higher grain price actually in the US um, for the cattle industry there. Um, So as a lot of us are probably fairly familiar, more than 95% of the beef um, that Americans eat has actually been finished on grain. And the main grain that gets consumed in feedlots over there is essentially corn. Now, corn has lifted about 15% uh, in the US uh, on the back of uh, the issues occurring in the Black Sea. Um, and that's brought um, feeder cattle prices down um, over 10% um, just in the last week or two. Uh, so there's essentially been a collapse it seems a little bit counterintuitive to a certain extent that you'd think that uh, an increase in feed costs could, would, would increase the, um, the price of cattle, but no. What's really happened is the, the margins of feedlots have been squeezed 
So um, as a result, their bit willingness and ability to actually pay for, um, for feeder cattle uh, is reduced and it's producers essentially that are being, uh, are being throttled as a result, of, a result of this increase in grain cost. Production okay. margins being passed down the, um, down the value chain essentially. Um, I think what makes things a little bit worse as well is that um, there are signs, I guess, of a stuttering economy in the US currently. That's flowing through to lower box beef prices, less willingness for um, consumers to actually pay up um, for those good cuts. How will that impact the Aussie beef market? That's a bit of a mixed bag to a certain extent, um, Dave. On the 90CL front, um, when we send lean, uh, be- lean beef mints uh, up to the US, that's actually positive for us. So something that Angus pointed out in his article earlier this, earlier this week um, was that when we examine what happened in terms of tastes and preferences uh, of Americans back in the last financial crisis, which was 08, 09, they actually turned a lot more towards ground beef and burgers, essentially. Uh, and that was positive for the 90 CL price at the time. Especially their herds going through a bit of a liquidation phase at the moment. That's actually, that's one of the impacts as also. As, um, as supply of US domestic cattle reduces, um, availability um, of beef um, will reduce and that will increase, pro- that will support prices in the US, which is good um, for Australian exports. So, yeah, we know how uh, closely the 90 CL price uh, tracks our um, Eki price here. Mm. And um, what about sheep? Any uh, big news there this week? We know the floods um, haven't impacted as many um, sheep farmers as cattle farmers. But um, well, oh, the sheep. sheep and, and lamb indicators that were mostly red in the red this week, Dave. So the, the worst performing, however, they got the wooden spoon. Uh, was actually restock of uh, lambs and on the national indicators they, they lost 40 cents uh, or five percent to plummet down to 845 cents a kilo um, some however some prices went against the trend so in new south wales the merino indicator uh, actually climbed about 12 cents 746 and mutton actually pushed up about a really solid um, 25 cents um, in general, though, mutton was stronger um, lamb this week. And we know the um, international demand for lamb out at lamb and mutton outlook has been strong and looks to continue with um, lots of newcomers um, to the Aussie, Aussie sheep and lamb market. That's right. I, I think that the, uh, the emptiness of supermarket shelves and the lack of choice um, has really driven consumers, particularly in the US, to actually pick up that um, uh, that lamb chop, figure out how to cook it. And then, and guess what? They've found out that it's delicious. Um, so they're in on the secret now, I think, Dave. It's um, been good for lamb demand going, going forward, coming out of the US. That's right. And interestingly, uh, Woodsy actually looked at um, goat prices in Australia compared to uh, sheep and lamb prices. And I don't know if you had time to read his article, but uh, it's a good one. But he actually uh, shown that Goat prices in New South Wales are on parity with uh, the Eastern States trade lamb indicator, which we know is a pretty good benchmark for how the um, sheep and lamb market's going. Uh, did you manage to have a read of that one? Yeah, look, I had a bit of a read of Woodsy's article and um, Woodsy always uh, does some some really interesting analysis uh, on anything he does. Now, normally, he, and normally he's our wool analyst and it's good to see him dabbling in another area. Um, hmm. Looking at that, 
I mean, myself, I'm actually a really, really big fan of a, a really nice roasted goat leg. Uh, aren't you, Dave? Yeah, I, as I was saying during the week to you earlier, asked if there's anywhere we could buy it. No, no. We're, I was a bit spoiled when I used to live in Melbourne. Actually, I could just go up to Vic Markets and it used to be about 10 bucks a kilo to go and get a beautiful um, leg of goats. We better move on because... Uh, uh, Getting close to uh, knockoff time here at Ricardo. And um, before we finish up, though, we can't um, forget to talk about uh, the grain market. The Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, is still carrying on, unfortunately, for the people there. We've seen the weed market um, shoot up. But um, what's happened in the last couple of days in reaction to global um, events? Look, Dave, at its heights, uh, I think the wheat market went into an absolute frenzy um, as, re- as a result of the war. Um, there are so many concerns uh, about how the world is, is actually going to um, get enough wheat um, over this next difficult period, uh, particularly from some, some of those um, smaller countries that were uh, in North Africa and even down as far as Indonesia. Um, which was pulling about 30% of its weight from from memory um, from Ukraine. At its height, we saw US wheat nearby futures get up to $650 a tonne, which is just unheard of, essentially. It jumped more than 57% since the mid-February when when real concerns about this war actually started um, uh, coming through. But in the last few days, though, it's really, really turned around, hasn't it, Dave? Basis between uh, Geelong wheat and Seabot wheat actually blew out to be a discount of more than $250 for Australian wheat below the US price. So what's happening there? The uh, international price, I guess, Seabot's more of a, you consider the international wheat. That's shot up uh, to extreme levels, but the prices here didn't, they went up, but not quite as high. What, what do you think the reasons are there for that? Look, I guess at the end of the day, um, it's really about the fact that futures markets, because they're not um, not physical, they can actually move a lot faster than what actual grain markets can move. So the, the effect that we've got here in Australia is that our shipping stem is full. And as a result of that, the amount of grain that can actually get out of the country at uh, any one time um, is actually constrained. And... Likely as not, um, when a ship comes in, that wheat has probably already been mostly purchased by the buyer already. So there won't be much of a difference uh, in in terms of international prices flowing through um, to Australian domestic prices at that point. When the ship is filled with, with grain, uh, it's essentially a grain that's, that was already bought a month ago, a week, six months ago, um, potentially. Talking about shipping again, it seems all the commodities, it's a, it's a significant factor in the markets at the moment. That's true. But I think that the big news over the last week or so, though, is that um, we did see wheat at 650 um, not so long ago, um, only on the 7th. And now, um, we're only a few days later, um, Seabot wheat's only at 550 which is only a 34% premium from where it was previously in mid-February, um, which is the sort of benchmark that I'm, that I'm using about 10 days before the war um, war occurred. So the market's essentially consolidated their view. 
Um, traders essentially have realized they've probably got a little bit excited. And also there's probably been a little bit of technical profit taking occurring out there in the market. Uh, as people who have made incredibly fat profits over the last few days have decided to cash out before the whole bubble bursts. And we can see that process starting to happen now um, as the realisation has come that potentially grain supplies will be found from, from other sources. There could be switching between commodities uh, instead, of, instead of wheat. I think, Dave, where the opportunities probably actually lie um, for um, Australian producers could actually be potentially in the Ford market as the prices um, potentially equalise between um, the international prices and where they're sitting here domestically. Um, and also also in uh, alternate crops as well. So if we look at where some of that wheat from Ukraine was going, I think about Bangladesh was pulling about 20% of its wheat um, from, uh, from the Ukraine. Um, they're also a big importer of pulses as well. So when wheat starts getting expensive, suddenly other crops, uh, other commodities such as, um, such as chickpeas, mung beans, um, and, uh, and other uh, pulses will start looking a little bit more attractive, I think. Wheat prices could flow through uh, to some of those other smaller uh, commodities there, Dave. Yeah, we've seen um, wheat shoot up and down, um, but it's still very high historically. What, what's happening with canola? Yeah, that's right. Canola's felt a little bit lost, I suppose, because of all the excitement around wheat um, over, over the last little while. It hasn't, Dave. So um, there hasn't actually been that, that change um, where the curve has turned over um, in canola just yet. So European Matif canola has, has shifted up 21% in the front end of the, um, the forward curve um, since the 15th of February. Um, and that's flowed through to about a 10% increase uh, right through April 2023. Corn uh, in the US, that's moved up about 15%. And on, on this oilseed market, they always really need to also be on, uh, on the soybean crop and the fortunes of, of that coming out of South America, um, which will be another of the big factors that can move, um, move the oil um, seed complex. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, this La Nina, El Nino weather pattern. Um, I know we've had two La Ninas in a row here, and um, I guess most farmers would welcome another La Nina here if it meant more rain generally, just hopefully not as destructive as it's been. Well, Dave, no, it's coming towards Friday, the end of um, a Friday night, and I, th I think I can hear my fridge calling. There's a nice bottle of Merlot that you actually dropped off um, at my place uh, over lunchtime, which I might give a try. Oh. Yeah, I hope you uh, enjoy that, Adrian. And um, thanks for uh, giving your uh, thoughts on the uh, Friday commodity wrap. Uh, we should have Rob and Olivia back on deck next week, but uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, something a little bit different today. And uh, uh, head to the website if you want to read any of the articles that we've been talking about. Uh, thanks for having me on uh, today, Dave. Um, and I'll see you on Monday. Well, that's it for another episode of Commodity Conversations. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with more market updates and articles. If you like the episode, share it around with your friends and family. And also, just before we go, we'll bring you this week's sponsor.
Thanks for listening and see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Commodity Conversations. This week is brought to you by ProAdvice. ProAdvice offer tailored services to suit your accounting needs. They have a long history of working with farming families and they understand the day-to-day realities and challenges of farm life. Whether it be strategic and succession planning, improving your communication and decision making, or accounting services and business software solutions, ProAdvice will help your farm run more efficiently. Hop on their website or give them a call to find out more.